Marvelites who are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 562. I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink, Agent of Fall. Get out of here, Summer. Yes, yes, yes. Lorraine, the most exciting thing. I had what? to go to a Costco on the last day of July. And Tell me. we walked through and there were two skeletons playing banjos on hay bales and a whole bunch of like harvest time is here stuff. And I was like, yes, just ignore August. Get the rest of summer <laughs> the hell out of here. Let's dive right into fall. Honestly, this is the time when you got to be looking around for the good Halloween stuff, mm-hmm. the good fall stuff, yep. because it hasn't been snapped up yet. By the time you get to fall, it's gone. Yeah, I'm excited. We're going to bring Skelly out early this year. Skelly is our 12 foot tall skeleton. Yes. When I mentioned it, Catherine got so excited. She's like, I love Skelly. So I think we're going to bring Skelly out for Catherine's birthday. Believe you me, we're going to talk lots more about Halloween and fall stuff (laughs) in the coming months. But before we get there, we got to talk about everything happening this week in Marvel, because this is the official Marvel podcast where we do that. We're going to talk about games, comics, movies, TV, whatever we're excited about. And we got a fun show ahead. Yeah, this week we've got a very special show because we've got on Marvel Studios, Miss Marvel's executive producer and pal of the show, Sana Amanath, as well as directors Adil and Bilal. All episodes are now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. We're going to be talking more with them about the big wrap-up of the show and lots of other cool stuff from behind the scenes. So that's really cool. But also, Marvel Studios Assembled, the making of Ms. Marvel is out. Yeah, it is here. You get to go behind the scenes every step of the way with a ton of footage from the making of the series, along with like lots of interviews on the set from the cast and the crew. Really seeing Iman Vellani and her character, Kamala Khan, just become one, become that superhero <laughs> in our eyes. It's it's very exciting. It's a wonderful series. I love Marvel Studios Assembled, these behind the scenes mm-hmm. making ofs. I'm so glad that they are on Disney Plus. So this is exclusively on Disney Plus, available right now. Yeah. Also, something you should definitely go check out if you're looking for more behind the scenes. There's a really wonderful interview over on Marvel.com with Sana Amanath, who we're going to be talking to later on in the show about some hidden QR codes that are peppered throughout the series on Disney Plus. Go get your phone out if you see a QR code on the screen. Scan it. Keep your phone by your side, buddies. Always go rewatch the series and and pick up new things as you go along. Let's get down to an event because coming up in just over a month is D23 Expo 2022, the ultimate Disney fan event. And so this week we announced some really cool stuff, the ways that Marvel is going to be there. So the event kicks off September 9th. This is in Anaheim. California at the convention center where it's been the last bunch of years. One thing to note, if you don't already have your tickets for D23 Expo, apologies, it is sold out, but really, really cool. You can stream some of it and we're going to have lots of news that we'll share from the Marvel side, but also there's like every part of Disney is going to be there and sharing stuff. The big Marvel piece of it all will be right at the Marvel Studios Pavilion on the show floor. You're going to have costume displays. There's going to be exclusive giveaways, a photo activation, and many other surprises. I remember the last one, they had this gigantic wall with Marvel Studios What If stuff and and all these things. They had costumes from various original series and the films and it looks so cool. I'm very, very excited to see how they come for this one. 
and there's going to be a lot of great stuff elsewhere on the floor. There's going to be a Shop Disney booth that's going to have a ton of merch featuring Avengers and Spider-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy, along with a variety of other stuff that you can check out at retailer booths throughout the show. But also, you know, there's going to be panels and events, a big convention feel, right? So we're going to have Marvel Draw Live that is featuring our very own Brian Crosby, Marvel's Director of Themed Entertainment Development, who is going to be doing some step-by-step tutorial sessions on how to draw some of Marvel's most iconic heroes and villains. Brian's done a bunch of those on Mm -hmm. the YouTube channels, I think probably Marvel HQ. On Marvel HQ, yeah. Yeah. And so he's so great about showing people how to draw. And now you can see it and experience it live if you're at D23 Expo. We love Brian. That's going to be great. Yeah. And then, of course, there is going to be the Hall D23 mm-hmm. presentation. That's going to be on Saturday, the 10th of September. And as previously announced, filmmakers, celebrity talent, and surprise guests from Marvel Studios are going to join Lucasfilm and others on stage at Hall D23 to showcase theatrical and Disney Plus titles. And it's going to really go into some stuff behind the scenes of these Marvel Studios highly anticipated film special series. And attendees are going to get to see exclusive footage and be among the first to learn what's in the works. We're very excited to hear more about what could possibly be shared because, holy smokes, we already had a big San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, like earlier this year, I was thinking, okay, we have San Diego Comic-Con and D23 Expo. There's no way... Marvel Studios could do both of them. Surely that's not possible. And Uh yet they came, they brought the thunder. (laughs) They just rocked Comic-Con and they're going to be going to D23 Expo. You know, they're going to bring some really cool stuff. I can't wait. Can't wait for that. Yeah. And then, of course, we would be remiss not to mention that this week was Spider-Man Day. It is officially the week of Spider-Man's 60th anniversary And to continue the celebration all year long, Marvel Comics is celebrating 60 years of Amazing Spider-Man, also on Saturday on the Backlot stage. And there's going to be some of our friends here from Marvel, Executive Spider Editor Nick Lowe and Editor-in-Chief C.B. Cebulski are going to be there talking about the comic history of Webhead across 60 years and beyond. There's going to be lots of great stuff there. Plus, there's going to be a signing with C.B. and Nick Lowe going on as well that day. So look out for more Spidey throughout the weekend. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. You know, hearing about what CB and Nick have planned for that. There's going to be a signing. This is a lot. This is really cool stuff. There's also, you know, like the merch and the different things and maybe even more Marvel stuff. You never know. You can go to d23.com for more info on how you can get a D23 membership, all that kind of stuff. And and as we get closer, we'll have uh, streaming info and, and more details to come. I should be there. I don't want to jinx myself like I did with Comic-Con, <laughs> but uh, I believe I'll be there We're getting very excited. So if you will be at D23 Expo, let me know. Hit me up at Agent M on the Twitter and the Instagram. I want to give high fives out or at least socially distanced high fives. We'll figure it yeah. out. It'll be great. And of course, you know, if you won't be at D23 with me, you can always check Marvel.com and D23Expo.com for more news and some of that awesome streaming footage that'll be coming out of the convention throughout the weekend. Mm-hmm. All right. Marvel Studios, I am Groot. The shorts will be streaming exclusively on Disney Plus starting August 10th. So that is so soon. That is next week, less than a week away. And we now have some new posters for this. I think people have started to see some of this and... It's so great, y'all. It's so cute. So funny. Groot is a rapscallion. I'm going to say it. I'm going to put it out there. He's a rapscallion. He is. He's a little um, sneaky Pete. Yeah. 
but like moss Pete, not like the guy Pete. You get it. <laughs> Look out for those. They're so cute. And just one week later, also on Disney Plus, Marvel Studios, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. I'm so excited for this. There's a new clip over on the Marvel socials of She-Hulk training with Bruce Banner, being potentially better than Bruce Banner at all things. I mean, I'm not biased. You're biased. Whatever. <laughs> shut up. It is so good. Make sure you go watch that clip and look out for Marvel Studios She-Hulk Attorney at Law streaming all new night Thursdays starting August 18th only on Disney+. Plus. That's nothing. That's in like five minutes from now. That's like two weeks away. So, so exciting. All right. We've also got to talk about Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness because there's a new augmented reality experience. And this one allows fans to explore three different portals to discover hidden things in the movie, along with sneak peeks of some of the bonus content, the clips, photo galleries, and more. This is only available on the Blu-ray and digital release of the film. You go to ar.doctorstrange.com and you scan the QR code. It's super cool. Of course, we mentioned last week you can get the film now on Blu-ray and digital for awesome extra featurettes, bloopers, deleted scenes, audio commentary, all that good stuff. And look, a little bit more, a little bit extra to augment your experience. I played with this yesterday and it's really cool. Like mm -hmm. you look around your room and you like open a portal and pop through it and you get all the little special feature type stuff. It's really neat. Highly recommend. Go check it out. AR.DrStrange.com. Yes, there is augmented reality, but how about some reality reality? Because now you can explore the Marvel Superhero Academy on board the Disney Wish, which is the latest addition to the Disney Cruise Line's fleet of ships. Guests are going to find Marvel Superhero Academy as part of the Disney Wishes Oceaneers Club. And it's got a bunch of really cool stuff for little kids and, and big kids if you want to get in on the action. There's going to be an Avengers training mission, which lets younger recruits design their own superhero suit and put it to the test by actually battling against Ultron in a gesture-based game. There's something called Power Pin Particles that allows recruits to help Ant-Man build a new regulator to save the day. And then there is a Challenge the Taskmaster in which you work with Black Panther and the Wakanda Design Group to stop Taskmaster before it's too late. Should be really fun. It's normally for ages 3 to 12, but guests of all ages can experience the Marvel Superhero Academy during the open houses on board the Disney Wish. Let's shift gears a little bit, talk a little bit about our pal, the amazing Spider-Man, because we, of course, have been celebrating 60 beyond amazing years of Spidey, and we just shared a bunch of new anniversary items this past week. Now, through the rest of the year, we're going to see just a whole bunch more from clothing, toys, collectibles, home goods. National Spider-Man Day just passed us, so we had a whole bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of new action figures, Spider-Rex toy, yeah. which looks so cute, so cool posters and, and all kinds of stuff you can find lots lots more of this beyond amazing product and the updates on marvel.com and you can check out at styled by marvel on instagram to see all this stuff yeah do it and also while you're at it subscribe to youtube.com slash marvel hq we're gonna have some spider x content coming in september you don't want to miss it so you're welcome also, while we're talking Spider-Man, 
we got to talk about Spider-Man's Social Dilemma. It is the first of a three-book middle-grade novel series by Spider-Man's number one fan and hilarious fiction writer and friend of the show, Preeti Chibber, who we just love. We're going to have her on the show in coming weeks and talk a bit more about the book, but it is so wonderful. I'm just going to read you a little bit of the synopsis, which is Peter has been swinging and thwipping his way through New York as Spider-Man for just a few months and balancing his double life is complicated. On top of that, the notorious villain, the Sandman, is acting more strangely than ever. Social media seems to be taking a a toll on MJ, and someone keeps trying to steal an artifact that's supposedly powered by alien matter, which can't be good. Something eerie is going on, and Peter is determined to figure out what it is before things go from weird to dangerous. This book is so fun, Ryan, and I got a chance to read it. It's super funny and clever, and it's still got that wonderful, like, Spider-Man funny adventure story in there, too. It's, it's all the things you want. You can go pick it up today wherever you get your books. You mentioned Sandman. Did you see the the video? I think it was a TikTok. This young man who's got a look that kind of fits the Amazing Spider-Man from movie version and Anakin Skywalker. And he's like, has the two of them talking in a kitchen. And Spidey's like, oh, it's a rough day. I had to fight Sandman today. And it just shoots over to Anakin and goes, there's a Sandman? <laughs> Cracked me up. All right, let's move on to some comic stuff. Demon Wars Shield of Justice. It's a new series written and drawn by Peach Momoko. This is rad. So um, we've been following her whole Demon Wars series. There's a brand new issue, I believe, out this week, which is really, really cool. Oh, Peach, man. She draws some amazing mm-hmm. monsters and some really cool stuff. It's a take on Civil War, which is out right now. But this one uh, has Mariko Yoshida between two worlds. She's between the human world and the yokai dimension, which is a strange world filled with strange creatures. And so in the yokai dimension, they need Mariko's help to stop a war brewing between two factions, one led by the Iron Samurai and his spider-like ally, and the other by a shield-wielding warrior and his panther-like right hand. So getting some cool Civil War vibes in there. I'm really digging what the Demon Wars series are doing, and we're just letting Peach make really freaking cool comics and they're beautiful and it's very, very exciting. So that one is coming in November, November 16th. Stay tuned for that. Ask your local comic shop to reserve you a copy and stay tuned for some new comics announcements hitting today when this new episode releases and into next week. So stay tuned to marvel.com and our social channels for some cool updates. Yeah. You know, we've been talking about some of the stuff out of San Diego Comic-Con for the last week or two because there's just so much. And I wanted to mention the eighth annual Her Universe Fashion Show winners. There were 26 designers who competed. If you're not familiar with this, Her Universe is a fashion brand that sells a lot of fandom-inspired clothing and items. And they're fabulous. And they do this huge fashion show at Comic-Con in which they all compete And the winners get to collaborate with Her Universe founder Ashley Eckstein to create a new collection for Hot Topic inspired by Marvel Studios' The Marvels. So super cool stuff. Also, Nina West, who is one of my favorite drag queens. I love her so much. She's a huge Disney fan. Also was there with Ashley. They have just become really good friends, and I just love it. It's so cute. But there were some really wonderful folks who competed. But the winner was chosen by the audience was Michael Burson at the Wizard Taylor, who designed a couture Doctor Strange outfit worthy of the Hellfire Gala. Inside of it's all sparkly and fabulous, like a really edgy suit. I mean, all the stuff that people come up with is so flipping cool and like really fashionable and like 
cutting edge and beautiful. And honestly, it's just really, really cool to see what fans come up with and how talented they are. So shout out to everyone who competed. And if you want to see more about that competition, go check out Marvel.com for more pictures and details. Let's go to the podcast realm. We're talking about Marvel's Wastelanders Wolverine because episode nine is out this week. It's called Awfully Sentimental, and it is now available to subscribers to Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts and the SiriusXM app. In this episode, when tragedy strikes, Kitty vows revenge on Red Skull. Meanwhile, Logan gives Sophia some self-defense pointers and attempts to make amends. Here's a preview of the episode. What's all this? Here are the schematics of the White House. The most secure room in that building is Red Skull's trophy room on the second floor, and that's where he likes to spend most of his time. So, when we go to invade the building, we're gonna- Wait, 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 wait. hang on. Invade the building? When are you gonna train me? You told me you would show me some moves. And Kitty's gearing up for us to do this military skirmish or whatever. What are we doing now? We're rolling into D.C. and taking down Red Skull. A non-terrorist to the United States has been located in Canada. It is suspected this is the same terrorist involved in the recent deaths of the Canadian Prime Minister Kevin Blay. The suspect is an older man of indeterminate age, ex-military, armed, mentally unstable, and legally dangerous. All right, that is episode nine, a little teasy taste. Now, of course, if you want to listen to it, episodes of Marvel's Wastelanders Wolverine are available exclusively on the SiriusXM app and Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. They will be widely available one week later on Pandora, Stitcher, and all major podcast platforms in the U.S. You can also, of course, unlock exclusive bonus content by subscribing to Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. Learn more at marvel.com slash wastelanders. Don't mind if I do. Ryan. Yes. What's going on on Marvel's pull list this week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so one thing we got to point out this, we are kicking off a whole month of Spider-Man content where all of our guests are coming on to talk about or theme around Spider-Man celebrating, you know, 60 years of Spider-Man. And we're kicking off with one of my best friends, Alex Segura, who is a writer of many novels. He's been like president of Archie Comics and done a million different things. But he just wrote a story about Aranya in the Edge of Spider-Verse comic. And he was wonderful in that one. And he's got hopefully some more stuff. I know he's he's a huge Spider-Man 2099 fan, but he joins the podcast to discuss the first arc of Amazing Spider-Man by J. Michael Straczynski and John Romita Jr., which is classic and terrific. So we, we dig into Spider-Man month with that. Uh, we're going to have Preeti on for Spider-Man month. We talked about her a little bit. She's going to be on. We're going to have John Romita Jr., Mark Bagley, a bunch more. It's going to be a really exciting month. So make sure you're subscribed to Marvel's pull list podcast wherever you get your podcast and for new comics out this week we had three great picks edge of spider-verse number one which i mean it's really freaking good it's got a wonderful bananas spider-rex story in it oh yeah as well as immortal x-men number five which is dope if you like big action it is an x judgment day tie-in and then x-men red number five which is also an x judgment day tie-in that is incredibly upsetting but also pretty damn great at one point i tweeted this out and this is legit i was reading this last week and i got to a point in the book where 
I just dropped my tablet on the floor, thrust my hands up in the air, and went <sighs> like made this this noise because I was so friggin' <laughs> pumped from what happens in the issue. It is so good, so so good. By this point, I'm sure many of you have read it. Do not spoil it. It's dope as hell. That's X Men Red number five. Some great comics out this week. All right, let's get ready to talk some Marvel Studios. Ms. Marvel, we've got a pair of interviews this week. First up is our pal and executive producer of the series, Sana Amanath, who just wonderful. We miss her. I mean, the two of you were just like basically like, I love you. I miss you for like 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> um. Yeah, enjoy the girlish glee of me reconnecting with one of my BFFs. She's amazing. You know, of course, Sana is very important here as she was a founder of the Women of Marvel podcast, as well as the Marvel's Voices podcast initiative, as well as, of course, many, many comics from her time here as an editor and a VP of character development at Marvel. Of course, she inspired the character Ms. Marvel, which we get into a bit more. And we love her. We love her the most. And as we get into this interview with Sana and the second interview we'll do, just want to give everybody a heads up that we do get into some spoilery talk because the full series for Marvel Studios Ms. Marvel is available now exclusively on Disney+. Plus. We want you to watch it. But uh, if you have not watched it yet, again, there's some spoiler talk in here and that's that's okay. Go watch it and come back and listen. Let's talk to Sana right now. We have the original woman of Marvel, the original Ms. Marvel, executive producer of Marvel Studios, Ms. Marvel, our friend, Sana Amanath. Ah! <laughs> Can we call you Hollywood Sana from now on? <laughs> I miss you guys. Oh, we miss you so much. We obviously know you very well, but can you tell the folks at home, what's your Marvel origin story? How'd you first encounter our characters? And let's throw Ms. Marvel in there too. Oh, this is like home for me, this this podcast. You know, I started out at Marvel in 2009. I started out as a comic book editor. I was working at another comic book company and kind of worked my way through the company. As, as Ryan, who was already here, probably remembers, I was working on the Ultimate Comics universe, which was super fun. I got to be on the creative team that developed Miles Morales. And just started doing a bunch of other comics from there and Captain Marvel and Daredevil and Hawkeye. And the story of Miss Marvel started when Stephen Wacker, who was my old boss, as Stephen Wacker was a former editor at Marvel and has been at the company for a long time, even though he just left us. What a jerk. And we were just talking about my history and growing up in Jersey as a brown kid and, and, and going to prom by myself because I was not allowed to date. All these different things. And that's really where this idea of Kamala came from. And I remember just like Steven was like so enamored with like, what? He's like, you you fasted and you were playing lacrosse? Like, what is this? And that was where Kamala came out of was this idea, Steven said, creating a character for the young sons of the world. And then we called up Willow. G. Willow Wilson, of course, is the writer who wrote the original Kamala Khan Ms. Marvel comic series. Yeah who I had been dying to work with for years because I was a huge fan of hers and she had been a Muslim convert and pitched her this idea. What do you think? She thought we were crazy, but she said yes. And then she and I just kept going back and forth and developing who Kamala was. And ultimately we realized it had to be an identity, a very simple identity story. We had some really bad ideas at first, but Kamala just being a young kid, being a Peter Parker was really, I think, 
the best way to be able to tell a classic Marvel story, but just through a different perspective. Sana, I don't think I've talked to you much in recent times, but my daughter, she's now almost three years old. She loves Ms. Marvel so much, just from Spidey and his amazing friends, some books we have. We walked into a comic book shop this summer, like a month or so ago, and I opened the door and she ran in and just yelled Ms. Marvel because they had a Ms. Marvel golden book perfectly like right in kid's eyeline. And I was like, she grabbed it and she was like, Daddy, can I have this? And and I was like, yeah, of course. So it may not be the exact same background, but seeing other kids because she is she's a brown kid also seeing, you know, superheroes that look like her in some ways is really important. I wanted to thank you. Oh, that warms my heart so much. That makes really, that's really, really sweet. That makes me very emotional. And that's kind of the point. Like when I hear stories like this, like that's the thing that makes all the pain and all the hard work and all the things work worth it. Because it's like, there are these young women, young women, young girls of color who are now being like, oh my God, that's kind of like me. Like she looks like me. That's so important. What does that say for their sense of self and who they're going to be in the future? And seeing themselves at such a young age is so awesome. So, oh, that means, that means so much. And you all, and also Ryan left her when she was, I think when you guys had just, when she had just come home to you and during the pandemic and came to film at AvengerCon in episode 101, which made me so happy. It was such a nice little, for me again, a little touch base to home, but also just nice little touch for the fans. So yeah, it was thanks great. for doing that, Ryan. Oh, thank you. It warmed my heart to see you in the in the producer's chair, just being big boss Sana and doing awesome work. The show's great. We all love it. Yeah. You know, one thing we want to talk about, thinking about mm-hmm. your childhood and and you know, growing up in Jersey and and how much of your background kind of flowed into Kamala's story. What is it like to share your life and, and other writers' lives through this series and through sharing? so much of like that family feel in the show yeah it's very therapeutic honestly like there's so much of every I think everyone has brought themselves into the show and obviously for me there's a lot of my family members and and little touch points to them like you know obviously we call my dad's name we I called my dad Abu which is why it was really important for me that we call Kamala's dad Abu and there was a beautiful moment between Kamala and her father when she's talking about the origin of her name and what that means and the comic that I absolutely love, which just links to my relationship with him. And then the big, crazy family dynamics and, and the big, crazy community, the Brown community, the Muslim community, all of that stuff, which I think it's specific to me, but it's also very specific to a lot of different kinds of people. So it is, it is wild. I mean, it's, it's my story, but it's not, but it's really awesome to see and people connect with it. And people think it's funny too, because I feel like I've lived a very, funny life too so well i've met your parents at the cons in the past and like their legendary stories because they are so proud of you and so cute when they have gotten a chance to see you i definitely just got so many feels from knowing your story personally and like being your friend over the years and it's just been really lovely to watch and now you're even more a part of it because you have a namesake within the show. How did it come about that there was a character? And also you were a wedding guest. Let's also call out the the Easter egg in the room. But how did your name come into the series? That is all thanks to the writers. It was so, so sweet of them. When I joined the project, actually, the writer's room had already been going. And so I was, obviously, I, I've been at Marvel for since 09, but I switched over to studios about two and a half years ago for this project. And they were, had mentioned that they're going to call the grandmother Sana. And it was 
so sweet. I felt a little bit like, I'm like, oh, I, I felt like, oh guys, like it's so nice of you. But I feel like I'm, it's going to make people think are going to think I have an ego that I named this character <laughs> after myself. I did not do it. It was just a very, very sweet thing. And, and actually made me very emotional that they did that. And I really appreciate it. And yes, I did have a cameo and I was trying to get in the dance as Lorraine is very <laughs> yes. probably not surprised. I was trying to get in that dance. Okay. Well, you have college experience. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get in there and we just couldn't they cut around us we just didn't get it can you please confess to the people your your college dance experience oh my god i started a pungra team pungra is like indian folk dance in college greatest experience of my life and we placed nationally third nationally wow. <laughs> we weren't that good we weren't that good but i had the best time of my life and there's probably if you look up columbia university pungra there's probably some videos of me dancing and looking like a fool, but great times, guys. I Listen, that was my first objective when episode three, when I read, and then Kamala's like, whatever, they were going to do a dance. There was no mention. I will say this. There was no mention of them doing the dance on the script, okay? They mentioned they're going to do a dance, but they didn't show right in a dance. And I'm like, we're writing this dance into this show. I don't care how or high water. This is going to be a freaking dance in the show. That's my contribution. Forget everything else. My contribution to this show. <laughs> I love it. It's a blast. Obviously, now that the full series is out, we could talk about a couple of things. And, and the last couple of scenes of the series, kind of big deals, lots of really cool stuff, teasing the future. Can you tease us literally anything about the future of Kamala in the MCU? Spoiler for those who don't want to know and who watched it, FYI. Obviously, we we say some pretty big things at the end of the episode. You see, you have a little glimpse of Captain Marvel, Brie Larson, which is a really big deal. And that is a hint of what's to come with Marvels, which is very, very exciting. I was really happy we were able to get that. We're going back and forth. We're going to be able to include it and have it get it in time and all that stuff. So very, very special for the future of Kamala and, and the Marvels. And, you know, we say we drop a little word which I think people have freaked out about and are continuing to freak out. And I remember when we decided to say that, I'm like, well, the internet's going to break. I'm breaking. And this is a really big deal. And what does that actually mean? Great question, guys. Great question. What does that actually mean? All I'm going to say is that we use the term and, you know, little Sana could be more excited that we were able to do it, which was the original goal and intention in the comic series is all I'm going to say. And we didn't do it. So. I definitely got a lot of joy when I heard that little music. It felt just right. Right? Iman couldn't get through the line. Like, she couldn't get through the line. Like, they would say it. And she. we have these amazing outtakes of just her being like, <gasps> like, her <laughs> reacting that way, too. So, But again, what does it mean, guys? I don't know. That's all I'm going to say. Well, speaking of Iman Vellani, who stars as Ms. Marvel... You guys just seem to have the most amazing relationship. She seems like she's your mini-me when all your photos, you guys are like hugged up. What has it been like working with her and overseeing the project and getting to welcome her into the MCU and the Marvel world? Oh my God, she's such a delight. Yeah, she is. <laughs> it's funny, every time we like we take pictures together, we hang out, we like crumpled into each other. Like it's just, she's the perfect huggable size for me and I'm short. So it's kind of, it's very rare to have that, but she's just a treasure and she's so smart and funny. And she feels like family to me. She feels like my little sister. 
she's made me her godmother because she's very jealous that I have godchildren. And she's like, I don't understand. Like you can have a, like, I should be your goddaughter too. So she calls me godmother. So it's been really awesome. I think she is so special. And I think she's just had such a great career ahead of her and is going to do great things beyond that. I mean, I think she's going to direct, write, produce. She's going to do all those things. I've loved getting to know her and I'm just so proud of her. I'm, I'm proud of what she's accomplished. She's so young and yet she has so much poise, intelligence beyond her years. And, and I, I just, I love her so much. She's, she's a true gift, but I also told her if her head gets big, I will knock it down. As a godparent should do. As a godparent should <laughs> do. Yeah. We're getting close to having to let you go, but as we think about the series now, all fully available on Disney Plus, and fans can go back and rewatch it all with all the revelations and stuff. Is there anything you want fans to to go back and look for? Maybe something that is favored or means something special to you as they they go back and rewatch the entire series? Oh my God, that's a good question. I mean, just like the comics, like we have so many little things in the background of the show, like just in terms of the art choices that we made or just different people in the background that I think is a lot of fun. That was fun for, for us to be able to do in the show because it was such a nice reflection of the comics. I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I hope that we are able to tell more stories with, I mean, it would be great to be able to do more with the red daggers, which we didn't really get bandwidth and time to be able to do in six episodes. But, you know, obviously I would love for people to rewatch the series if they can, just because I think it's a whole different experience watching it all collectively and and seeing that journey. And I think you'll always notice new and fresh things. I'm curious to know if people like notice, like if they noticed the lightning bolt reference that we were going to make, I know some people did catch Mm -hmm. it, but the name it coming out of her name and which was a literally a 1am discovery for me (laughs) as I was looking through this Instagram thing called words in Urdu. And I saw the cough letter and I was like, Oh my God, that's a freaking lightning bolt. And that's how we're going to get the lightning bolt in the show, which is really exciting. Yeah, I don't know. Everything. Go just rewatch it, guys. And watch it with your family and heal your hearts and souls. I found it just such a wonderful watch. Congratulations, Sana. We love you. We miss you. I miss you guys so much. You're my favorite people. You guys are the best. Love you. Love you. All right, big thanks to Sana for coming on this interview with us. And so for our second interview, we also got to talk to the directors of episodes one and six. They're also executive producers on the series, Adil and Bilal. They are terrific and wonderful. I got to spend some time with them when I was on set, and I want to spend more time with them, to be honest. They're great. They're so enthusiastic and energetic and collaborative and fun. On this interview, we talk about their beginnings of meeting in film school, what it was like to work on the show, and uh, of course, of course, they give me all my flowers for my performance in Marvel Studios' Ms. Marvel Episode 1. Yep, that's what this interview is about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, gotta put (laughs) me over. Episode 1. That's right, baby. All right, let's get into it right now. Gentlemen, good to see you again, Adil and Bilal. I feel like it's been a roller coaster of wonderful emotions and times and excitement. But before we even get into all the Marvel Studios, Ms. Marvel, please, what are your Marvel origin stories? How did each of you first encounter Marvel's characters and stories? I would say it was the animation. Uh, in Belgium, it's it's usually through the animation that we discovered them. So so it's uh, X-Men of the 90s and uh, Spider-Man of the 90s. Pretty cool animation uh, uh, series that are just epic and, and awesome. And that's how it all started. I have the exact same story. <laughs> it's through animation. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's not terribly surprising that you would have a similar story because you guys are sort of a package deal together. How did it come about that you started working together? And what's the process like when you work together on set? Well, we, we met each other at the first day of film school in Brussels. I was like at school and I was like, oh, there is only white people who are doing this. So in Belgium, there is no people of Moroccan origin that do uh, like movies. So when I saw Adil, I was like, yo, you're Moroccan. So yeah. And then you know, we, we formed a gang at film school. <laughs> And then we started to work together and, and, and it just all naturally happened. So I, when he was on his set, I was on, I was on his set and he was on my set and we were making movies together. And just, I think on the set itself, I think it, it depends from day to day. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, sometimes Adele is like, you know, on the forefront or sometimes I am, sometimes I'm more with the camera, sometimes it's more with the actors. So that's all. It depends from day to day. It's a feeling, you know. Are you at the point where you're finishing each other's sentences or like coming up with like, you know, directions and then you're like, <laughs> I want you to stand over there. And, you know, you've got, you're you working together like that. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes we are really both very intensely busy with a certain scene or sequence that could happen. But, uh, you know, making a movie or in Hollywood, uh, it's, it's total chaos. So usually I'll be there with a group of actors and a camera and Bilal will be with the other group of actors and camera just to try to maximize the amount of shots that we can do. Sometimes it's good cop, bad cop that helps us a lot. <laughs> Speaking of good cop, bad cop, of course, you know, you've got some of your, your previous work. You got Bad Boys for Life and stuff like that. Of course, big action movies with good heart and stuff. And then, of course, the natural transition is to an intimate story of a teenage girl and her family and her friends. It fully works because, Marvel, we have all that that you guys are doing. What, what was it that drew you to working on Marvel Studios Ms. Marvel? Uh, you know, while we were editing Bad Boys for Life, it was 2019, so, you know, Endgame was coming out, and, and that was just, you know, it was movie history right there, and, and we thought, like, okay, uh, we just made this big Hollywood movie, what would be the next step, and the next step had to be Marvel, but we were sort of joking around, saying that if we're going to be part of the, um, the MCU, it's going to have to be a Muslim character, not knowing that actually there was Ms. Marvel and then Kamala Khan, so that's how we kind of discovered her, and that's how, you know, we discovered that they were making a TV show. So we, we read the comic book, fell in love with that character, felt really also a personal connection to what she was going through as a Muslim teenager in a Western country. And, uh, and that's where we met Kevin Feige and, and, and convinced them to give us the job. <laughs> well, I'm so glad he did. And, you know, so many people have praised the authentic sort of representation that we see in the film and how people feel like their home lives are being shown in a way that we haven't really gotten to see, especially in a film this big or a series this big. Were there moments that you were looking to pull out of the actors' lives or your own lives where you're like, oh, we do this at home. Let's include it. Let's bring that into what we're doing on the set. The rooftop scene at Bilal, it seems like... Yeah, it's, uh, the rooftop scene was really uh, you know, a very uh, emotional scene and I really connected to it because that relationship between father and daughter or you know, mother and daughter, that connection is like very similar to with my parents and that intimate moment, uh, like that's one of the most powerful scenes. Of, of course, you have the big action sequences, but those scenes for me were like very important because the real superpower is their family. And also just if you want to talk about like specific things, also like, you know, I draw a lot. So I was also at school drawing. <laughs> So that similarly, uh, Kamala Khan is <laughs> or when I went out and I went out and I, I came inside, it was always my mother there catching me uh, coming from a party and then big arguments. <laughs> 
So all this stuff, you know, all these little things really remind me of, uh, and trying to be cool at school, you know, I was a big nerd at school. So that was also, uh, I've been bullied. So that was also a very, uh, a lot of experience that's in the, in, in, in the show too. Also the mosque scene and then and the wedding and all that, there, there are things that are very similar to, I mean, to just what we, we live through uh, as Moroccans. So, so there a lot of that authenticity, cultural aspects where there was really much in it so from, from uh, our background, but also the background of, of Sana Amana too. So a producer on the show, it was Pakistan. It's interesting that you, you, you mentioned being bullied, Bilal, because I was thinking about when I was on set for that first episode and I was doing the AvengerCon stuff with you guys, the feeling that I got was was a camaraderie and a feeling of family, especially you talk about Sana, the three of you, the two of you and Sana would just be like making fun of each other, like siblings <laughs> throughout the entire, or like talking to each other. And there was like a jovialness to that. And then it, it really, it felt like it expanded to the cast and, and the rest of the crew. There just was a, a warmth that I think comes from an experience of like, Hey, sometimes you feel like an outsider and then to, when you get past that, when you get older, you find ways to make sure others don't feel like that. And I think from just my perspective as someone who came in for three days to try and mess up everything and somehow I didn't. Yeah, you killed the role, by the way. I oh, thank it. you. Thank you. I, I th It was just a, it was a really wonderful thing to see. And the set felt so good and such positive energy. I'd say for us, it's it's maybe it comes from our experience in Belgium, where you know it's a, such a tiny country and and there's not a lot of money, so you gotta be really. It needs to be a family, you know, your crew and your cast, because you gotta get through the day, and 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 that's it's so intense that if it's if it's just a job, then we feel it's not gonna work. But if you're like you're really a team and a family, then you gotta go. Then you can do anything. Then you can go through the most difficult parts and also be very creative. So that's kind of the the vibe that we do. That we we don't know anything. You know, we don't know how to do it differently. I would say, you know, it's uh, it's all about family. Yeah, I think also this project was so extremely important for us. It's the first Muslim superhero character, something that, you know, representation we never saw. It's, it's a background. Everybody wanted to make the best out of the show and the passion that everybody has in each role. We all fought for the best. So that's why sometimes we got into arguments, but really like brothers and sisters, you know, like, yo, no, this, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You felt really like the, the passion and, and the soul that everybody brought into the show. You really feel it, I think, in the series. And then you add to that these like huge set pieces. You're traveling the world also during wild times on the planet. What for you guys was the most sort of wild scene to work on or, you know, a really challenging or crazy kind of piece of the show? Because to me, I saw it and I was like, how did they do this? <laughs> Given the time frame, it's wild. <laughs> Obviously, I mean, we, we were the, for the Pakistani scenes that were shot in Thailand, that was Charmino by Chinoy that went into the full madness in the jungle. So, uh, but uh, she's a great director, documentary filmmaker from Karachi. So she, she brought that authenticity to those those scenes and obviously the history of partition and all that. She, I mean, it's, it's all thanks to her that it looked so so great, but it was really intense to make that. And for us personally, it was uh, shooting the end sequence, the outside showdown, Atlanta, super cold. And it's always difficult to do like a big action scene with all the extras and the VFX and we don't have any experience with VFX so we don't know anything. So we're filming stuff and we don't see anything. And, uh, and, and you have no time. Yeah, we come more from a practical background. We like to yeah. see the things. Here, here it's like, okay, this is going to happen, that and that. 
<laughs> yeah, put some cameras. You have you have Iman on a platform, but you don't really know what's gonna happen. Uh, only uh, months after that, so so that was a pretty intense scene. But I, I think from the reaction that we had, uh, that it was a pretty satisfying uh, finale. So that that's so we did, we did our best. Yeah, I think that's something that sometimes fans don't really understand is how amazing a, a job folks like Iman and the other cast members do when they are working against things that they can't see. I mean, remember there's one point when I was watching the crew change things and like, here's a stick with a ball on it and like, okay, act to that thing. And it's like, how are they doing it? And you look at the end product. She's so good. Everybody's so good at what they do. You have amazing people at your fingertips who are doing really cool work against invisible things. Yeah, and, and you know, and that's a, the great thing about these actors. Even Iman, who never played before, she became a professional actress like that on the spot. And 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 the fact that she really could get herself into that position where she could play with just a golf ball or something that was that was pretty insane to see that because we ourselves we could never do that. You directed the first and the last episodes, kind of really bookending the series, but you were executive producers throughout. How do you work with the other directors to make sure that that story is being carried through from where you're starting to where you're going to end the series? You know, for us, it's like, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. We're really team players. And, you know, we for us, it was important that you had the vibrancy and we tried to also, you know, have that animation style that makes it so distinctive. So we asked the other directors, like, okay, go further, no, even more camera movements, go local. And sometimes they came up with sequences that were, you know, that we would never thought of and that are like super spectacular. And then we're like, okay, this is it. This is what we need. So, you know, maintaining that style, that colorfulness, that the movement, the music, that was extremely important. So we, we talked with them and they did it in their own way for each episode. You know, it's like a football team, you know, everybody has his position and we all, want to score in that one goal we know what the what, what the mission is you had Sana and Jenna obviously uh who who, who followed the storylines through and through so so we had that consistency uh with them uh, at the helm of course talking about being like team players and and part of that collaborative effort that like a your big team obviously you're coming into the Marvel Studios machine there's so many cool people like there's plans for Ms Marvel afterwards there's things going on but even just thinking about the unique visual style the development of the characters outfit all these things what was that like for you to come in and work with Marvel Studios across all these different avenues well yeah all of a sudden you're in the the the, the big machine of Marvel and and you know you realize oh we're now in the the, the, the biggest uh, movie company of the world and it's a big honor because you know you're surrounded by people that have also all those experience so people that work with us on the prop department costume uh, art department they already had the experience of working on the previous marvel shows and to get like the best crew possible who already worked on on these iconic you know either costumes and props etc and being able then to create your own version that's just a dream come true it's like you're little kids uh, like like it's as if we're making fan art or fan fiction only it's real they were very supportive and even though you can say it's a big machine it's not as if it was a very rigid machine it was they still very much had that creative liberty that that allows you to you know to try stuff out and and it doesn't need necessarily to follow a you know a system it's it's we, we call it fun chaos it's just try to be creative and come up with cool stuff 
Well, you certainly did. Clearly a sloth baby production. <laughs> we love the series. The world loves the series. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Of course, if you have not yet, or if you want to watch it again, all episodes of Marvel Studios Ms. Marvel are now streaming only on Disney+. And again, Marvel Studios Assembled, the making of Ms. Marvel is also available exclusively on Disney+. Plus Right now, you can see more with them talking about how the series was created and all those cool behind the scenes of how they did that. Highly recommend. And as promised, next week, we are going to have on Preeti Chibber, author of Spider-Man's Social Dilemma. We love her. She's fabulous and hilarious. And so in the spirit of that, what is your favorite Spider-Man story of all time? What is the greatest? What is the best? Oh, man. That's such a hard question because I think part of what makes Spider-Man so great is how personal Spider-Man is for everyone, right? I think a lot of people think of their like first encounter with Spider-Man and, and what mm -hmm. that was. You know, there are a lot. I'm going to go with, I think it's Amazing Spider-Man Annual 21, in which he marries Mary Jane mm. because he spends the whole time being like, even though I'm a superhero, I'm not sure I'm confident enough to marry this confident woman. And she's like, all my ex-boyfriends are giving me presents. Do you want to go on this honeymoon that they gave me? Because <laughs> I said I won't go with you and I'll go with you instead. That's what I'm here for. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's pretty good, <laughs> it's I'll be honest. So good. For me, I think a lot of, I have a lot of early 90s Spider-Man love. Yeah. Some of the Todd McFarlane stuff, a lot of Mark Bagley drawn stuff. And then... I think Dan Slott, to me, is just my favorite oh, Spider-Man writer. But, of course, got to talk about Ultimate Spider-Man, Brian Michael Bendis oh. and Mark Bagley. Yeah, Such absolutely. Such an incredible run. Really, one of the things that brought me back to comics, for sure, that was such a strong streak of comics, uh, over 100 issues. I mean, in Spider-Verse, like the culmination of all that storytelling into an enormous Spider-Verse, that, that whole series is like a freaking guitar solo. It's just like, squeeze, and you're like, no, he didn't. Yes, he did. It's so good. My personal favorite, Adjectiveless Spider-Man number 17, from like 1991. It's written by Anna Senti and art by Rick Leonardi. And I picked this up because the cover shows Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet, right when the Infinity Gauntlet mm -hmm. is going on, holding a dead Spider-Man in his hand. And that was like, I had to have that issue. And it is this really sweet and sad issue in which Spider-Man dies, saving a little kid. And Ugh. what... Yeah. I, I won't spoil the whole story, but I absolutely love that issue. I'll read that every couple of years. And I think it's such an incredible encapsulation of who Spider-Man is and what he, what he's all about. There's so many. I know. You can tweet us your answers using hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email them to twinpodcasts at marvel.com or send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. And of course, make sure to tell us if it's okay to read on the show. Otherwise, we won't read it. Ha ha ha. All right. Let's get into all those tweets and emails you sent because our question of the week last week was, what's your favorite cameo appearance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Got a ton of responses. So let's dig in. And as we get into all of your amazing answers, just know that some of these may be spoilery for some recent films. And I say recent, but in the last like couple of years, if you're not fully caught up on the MCU, just a heads up. Matt Foster at Geist1985 says, I don't know if anything can top Nick Fury showing up to, quote, talk about the Avengers initiative in Marvel Studios' Iron Man. If you are a Marvel fan, you knew that cinema had just changed forever. Oh, that's such a good moment. When I saw it, I just remember 
grabbing the hand of the person next to me. And I was like, does this mean (laughs) (laughs) what? Next up, we got James McKenna at Funeral Thirst 7. Love the name. (laughs) Says, Nick Fury in the first Marvel Studios Iron Man blew my mind. The thought of building to an Avengers movie seemed crazy at the time, but each release took us a step closer, laying another brick in the foundation of the universe. Hard to top that. Well said. It's the uh, end credit that launched a thousand ships. Mm-hmm. Jacob M. at Jacob M. tweeted, John Krasinski as Reed Richards in the recent Marvel Studios Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. The entire cinema shouted at once when he appeared, including me, of course. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. Next up, we got Andy Kwong at a Kwong 31 who said, loved Wong's appearance towards the end of Marvel Studios Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Benedict Wong, Simu Liu. Aquafina, Michelle Yeoh, Tony Leung, and many more Asian representation in the Marvel Universe at its finest. I mean, that cast is nutso. So good. Yeah. All right. Chloe at Chloe underscore G tweeted, Bruce Banner at the post credit scene of Marvel Studios' Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I didn't expect that he will have a cameo there. I literally screamed. Sobbing emoji. Next up, we've got Stephen Graydon at St. Graydon, who said, Melissa McCarthy as Hela in Marvel Studios' Thor Love and Thunder, right up there. I mean, that was just excellent. Nick at dis underscore pointed underscore id said, it's got to be Matt Damon playing Loki in the tragedy of Loki for Loki. (laughs) It is so excellent. Also, shout out to Luke Hemsworth. I think a lot of people like don't realize it's him at first because he's like, Got all that crazy costume on. But yes, Chris Hemsworth Brothers Luke does in fact play Thor. Yeah. Actor Thor, I should say. Yes. Love it. Next up, we've got AJ at base underscore Marvel who said, for me, it has to be seeing Andrew and Toby in Spider-Man No Way Home. Even after seeing it, I couldn't believe it. What an amazing moment as a longtime fan to see the legacy of Peter Parker converge. I mean, that was bananas. Amazing. I just sometimes just think about the like three or four scenes when you first get all the Peters and then they come together. I just think about those. I should probably just watch it just to get it out of my head. Anyway, let's move on to J.D. Banks at Jaredell, who says, My mouth dropped when Matt Murdock, played by Charlie Cox, was Peter Parker's lawyer in Spider-Man No Way Home. I thought I'd seen those pretty shades on some other dude who called himself Daredevil. Good to have you, Charlie. Oh, man. Mm. We're in the daredevil sans. Just about to be. I can't wait. Next up, we got Peter B. at Peter underscore Bogart, who says, Stan Lee in Marvel Studios, Captain Marvel, on his way to his most iconic (laughs) cameo, the one in Mallrats. (laughs) That one is so freaking good. It is so great. The layers there. Tremendous. Tremendous. All right. Terry Mullins at Marvelous Terry tweets, when Stan Lee is a delivery man who calls him Tony Stank when his name is actually Tony Stark. Loved that scene after all the sadness in Marvel Studios' Captain America Civil War. Dave and I had been crying, but then we laughed a lot. Oh. Next up, we got Robin Burks at Sunrise Robin, who said, if anyone says anything other than Stan Lee, they're <laughs> wrong. And you know what? You're not wrong. We get an email from Zachary Moore who says, Hello, Ryan and Lorraine. Zachary here. My favorite cameo of all time is, drumroll please, Captain Carter. Watching her fight my other favorite girl, Wanda, made me feel some type of way, trust you me. And they included a little sad face. 
I had been fiending for some Peggy Carter content after Agent Carter was dropped, and seeing her in Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness just made me gasp audibly. I love her so much. Give me all the Peggy content. We, we love buff Peggy. Yeah. 10 out of 10. I will say, Zachary, if you have not already, go read the current Agent Carter comic mm-hmm. book series that uh, our pal writer Jamie McKelvey has written, art by Marika Cresta. I just finished, and it's super duper fun. It's got an Agent Carter coming in from basically like waking up into her new world and what's going on and, and allies and enemies. I will say Tony Stark is in it. There's some kind of supernatural business going on. There's some new characters introduced there. Betsy Braddock is in it. It's really, really good. I think it's going to open up to a whole bunch of new stuff for you if you, if you get excited for it. Yeah. Next up, we got an email from Henrik Hansen, which says, Hello, wonderful people. I am currently in California, happy to be enjoying a massive family reunion in Placerville, But I wanted to put in my two cents worth regarding cameos. My favorite is a deep cut, The Incredible Hulk. We had a brief Bill Bixby shout out as Banner is channel surfing, then Lou Ferrigno as a security guard. Side note, I love that. The OG Banner and Hulk from the 70s TV show. Very classy casting there. Until my jet lag wears off and a long time after, make my marvel, Henrik Hansen. Yeah, Bruce Banner delivers a pizza to Lou Ferrigno's security guard. To, like, distract him. That's what it is. Yeah, it is, like... The, just the joy on Lou Ferrigno's face as a security card when he gets his pizza, I get it. Really, truly felt that. And a Facebook message from Dylan Barber, who says, One of my favorite cameos was when Lou Ferrigno played as the security guard in Marvel Studios' Incredible Hulk film from 2008. I grew up watching the series with Lou and Bill Bixby, and the Hulk is one of my favorite characters. So seeing him in that film was an awesome blast of nostalgia to when I watched the series as a boy. Yeah, Dylan, great, great, great. We got a couple of Facebook messages in here from Carly Georgina Palmer, who says, Hi, Lorraine and Ryan, longtime listener, first time writer. Sorry, Ryan, you had to miss Comic-Con as I listened to the new episode this morning. Thank you, Carly. I appreciate you. She goes on to say, plus for who I'd want to go on summer vacation with would be ultimately Rocket and along with Peter Quill, as it would be a summer of music and exploring the galaxy. Very excited about some of the announcements from San Diego Comic-Con, especially Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Carly, you're going to be real excited about everything for the next Guardians film. Next up, we got a message from Raphael Michelangelo Perry, who said, finally got to see Marvel Studios Thor Love and Thunder. Loved it. And I heard that theme at the end of Marvel Studios Miss Marvel. OMG. Sorry, way behind on the episodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you listen at your own pace. But yes, that little special musical mm-hmm. note, that little phrase was the exciting. So excited for what that might mean in the future. And we've got an email in here from Kevin Helfman, which reads, When I saw Sana Amanath during the wedding in Marvel Studios' Ms. Marvel, I yelled, Oh my God! I just thought how special it must have been for her, her journey, and Ms. Marvel's journey, all coming to fruition. What a cool way to honor her. And yes, I do admit, I paused the screen after yelling, It's Ryan! It did make my wife jump, but sharing who you were sure made her join my excitement. Glad you are feeling better. Lorraine, my fingers are crossed to see you appearing in Marvel Studios She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Kevin, I love the idea. I can promise you, you won't be finding me. (laughs) (laughs) I know that for a fact because the show is done. (laughs) (laughs) But please start a letter writing campaign for me. I appreciate the sentiment. 
All right, one more message. This one comes from Keith Lyle, who says, My favorite MCU cameo was so hard to pick because there were so many that if I were to say epic, that would be the understatement of the year. But my favorite has to be Howard the Duck cameos in Marvel Studios, Guardians (gasps) of the Galaxy, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and Avengers Endgame. Seth Green voicing him is just icing on the cake to me. I might be in a small group of people who actually liked the Howard the Duck movie growing up and has always wanted a sequel of some sorts. I know that might not happen anytime soon, but Howard's MCU cameos shed a little light of hope for me. So here's to wishful thinking, and I am hoping to see Howard make a cameo in Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'm going to really date myself here, but like, I remember, you know, sometimes you get those like premium channel previews where you would get like a week of free HBO or Showtime or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Whenever we had those, we would fully videotape every single movie that was playing, and then we would rewatch them over and over and over again. And one of them was Howard the Duck, which is what has fostered my lifelong love of this anthropomorphic duck and his human girlfriend. That movie is so good in the weirdest way possible. It is so great. And every time anyone mentions the movie, I think of the song. Keith, I don't know if you've read this, but a couple of years ago, we had a Howard the Duck comic. It was written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Joe Quinones. And they actually had Leah Thompson in the book. Like, Leah shows up in the comic. She's on one of the covers. She goes to Howard, who in the comic is a private investigator. She goes to Howard for help. It is a whole really cool, wonderful meta thing. It's a great series. You can read it on Marvel.com You can, or on Marvel Unlimited. You can find the trades. If you are a Howard the Duck, like old school movie fan, you gotta check it out. You gotta, gotta check it out. Also, you have to listen to Marvel Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable Mm -hmm. radio show, because I think it's the second episode we have Leah Thompson on as our special guest. And in that reality, Leah Thompson was in the first Howard the Duck biopic. So that film is canon within the Squirrel Girl (laughs) radio universe. Amazing. (laughs) So friggin' good. All right. That about wraps it up. But stop. Y'all, how many of you actually listened to the full credits? Did you ever consider that we are Marvel? Don't you think there's usually a reason to stick around to the very end? Just something to put out there. Remind you that that's what we do here. Hint, hint. This episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our senior manager of audio production and development is Brad Barton. Hi, Brad. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Hi, Jill. And special thanks to Howard the Duck and Howard the Duck Investigations. Do you have a problem ruffling your feathers? Don't worry, Howard the Duck will investigate and then send you his bill. Wah. Wah. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe. All right, quiet on the set. And action. And special thanks to Howard the Duck. He's no quack. He's not even a doctor. Howard the Duck. Cut. He's no quack. Howard the Duck, when you need an investigator, he'll give you the bill for his services. Howard the Duck, he'll web up feet. (laughs) Wait, hold on. I have more duck puns. You give him a crime and he'll send you his bill for his services. He'll fly into any problem with his feathers. I don't know. The pressure is too high. Cut. Fine feathered friends. These end credits aren't all they're quacked up to be, huh? Cut.